Welcome to the Pictures of Lily podcast. I'm your host, Lily Moayeri. I have been a music journalist since 1992, and I interview a lot of music-related people. This podcast, which is named after the song by The Who, is about my experience behind the story, what my experience is doing the interviews, just to give you a snapshot of what it's like on the other side of the digital recorder. Pictures of Lily. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Pictures of Lily podcast. This is episode 75. We publish monthly with a new episode posting on the second Wednesday of each month. You can find us on every platform by going to picturesoflily.com where you can subscribe or follow us and also connect to us on Instagram, SoundCloud, YouTube, Pandora, and Amazon, although it's really best to listen to the podcast straight from the source at picturesoflily.com as it is the highest quality audio and avoids copyright restrictions. This episode is on my singular experiences with Angela McCluskey for the past 20 plus years. Here are a few snapshots of my experiences with Angela McCluskey. For those who need an introduction to Angela, she has been a fixture in the global music scene for decades. She's originally from Scotland, but she's been a Los Angeles resident on and off for many years. Angela has worked in the music industry, but her impact is really as an artist where her inimitable voice leaves an indelible mark wherever it lands. On a personal note, she's one of my top five female vocalists of all time, slotted squarely after Billie Holiday, who is my forever number one. Her band, Wild Colonials, which includes her husband, Paul Cantillon, was a staple of the Los Angeles scene for a long time. But I didn't cross paths with Angela until she became Telepop Music's featured vocalist. The French electronic group had a massive worldwide hit with her song, the Grammy-nominated Breathe, which was on their 2001 album, Genetic World. I brought you something close to me The first time I interviewed Angela was early during her telepop music years. At the time, Angela and Paul were living in Paris where Paul was working as a composer. Even over the phone, Angela was warm and easy to chat to. It was like catching up with an old friend. She left a wonderful impression on me. Almost 10 years after that, Angela had an album coming out called You Could Start a Fight in an Empty House. I had an assignment from Planet Magazine to interview her pinned to the album. At this point, Angela and Paul had moved to Los Angeles to Los Feliz, which is just up the street from where we live now. For years, I lived on the west side of Los Angeles and didn't, for a second, think of moving. And for years, my friends that lived on the east side kept encouraging me to move to that part of town. None of them were successful in convincing me. In fact, until I started teaching on the east side, I wouldn't even go to their homes for dinner. The day before Angela and I were scheduled to do our interview, she invited me to a party at her home. This was very kind, but strange to me, and I expressed that to her publicist. To which the publicist responded, Angela says, come, there will be music, it will be fun. So I went, and it was the most fun. Angela and Paul are famous for their get-togethers. Among their extensive friends are all kinds of creatives, from musicians to actors, directors, producers. If there is a creative field, they know a bunch of people in it, a lot of them famous. To give you context, Angela is godmother to Lily Allen and Riley Keough, who is Elvis's granddaughter. And that's just two examples. There are a lot more. 
This is what Angela told me about fame in an interview we did for the LA Weekly. I am not interested in being a pop star. It's an awful life. You can't really have fun. You have 17 handlers, but you can't buy a pint of milk. I've got very, very famous friends. They desperately want to have a great night out and go crazy, but it's impossible. You have to keep up this weird perfection. You can't do anything wrong. Speaking of not doing anything wrong, Angela has an unerring feel for design and every corner of her home was unique and shaped by her in some way, including her rooftop retreat. It was very country French with a touch of bohemian Scotswoman. That particular party was their 17th wedding anniversary and they pulled out all the stops. The whole house and garden were packed. I was there on my own and I had loads of conversations with different people. Every conversation was great. Every person was interesting and interested. Then they started playing live music with all kinds of musicians jamming together. That night, moving to the east side crystallized for me. I finally got what my friends who lived there were trying to make me understand. Until then, I thought people like me, who were in creative fields, who went out to see bands on a regular basis, who still went to the occasional rave, but were responsible mortgage-holding adults were scattered around Los Angeles. At Angela's, I realized a large grip of them lived on the east side. The next day, I started the proceedings of putting my place on the west side on the market and began looking at places on the east side. Angela and I did our interview, and this is what she told me about bringing seven of her close friends together to support each other. I started by doing a creative pyramid. We would sit around a table once a week for seven weeks and say, all right, what do you need? Everybody would concentrate on that one person for a week. Every day, they would think of a way of hooking this person up. The next week, we would move on to the next person. What Angela said lined up so perfectly with the experience I had at hers and Paul's party. The energy there reflected hers and his attitudes. Four years later, after multiple life changes, I was finally living on the east side and my whole existence became elevated. I was living in the house I wanted, I was having a rich social life, everything was easy to get to, I was comfortable, and I met Lawrence. He and I can both guarantee that if I was living on the west side, our relationship would have struggled to get off the ground. And it was all down to that one night at Angela's. I've spoken to her about this many times since then. And also since then, dance music producers have discovered Angela's vocal prowess. She became quite the dance floor diva as the featured vocalist on numerous smashes from Paul Oakenfold, Morgan Page, Big Gigantic, and Andy Caldwell, among many others. Beyond the dance floor, Angela's had collaborations with Kendrick Lamar and Robbie Robertson to mention just a couple. By the time I moved to the East Side, Angela and Paul had moved back to New York and I wasn't able to enjoy their wonderful hospitality. They did a variation of their events at the Roxy Hotel in New York in speakeasy style, which they called Time Warp. Angela released the Roxy Sessions from These Nights, which is an eclectic collection of music with her stamp all over it. I wish I knew what to say to you. Oh, I wish you knew how to do it too. Oh, baby, I Angela made it back to Los Angeles a few years ago and her get-together started up again. We attended an intimate holiday party at her current place. Angela had doctored up her new home again with her vision, which includes tiny little vanity tables positioned everywhere, inside and outside. Once again, I had multiple conversations with random people, all of them interesting and interested. 
And once again, musicians played together, including Lily Hayden, the subject of episode 43 of this podcast. Meanwhile, Angela's voice is everywhere from the small screen to the silver screen. When I spoke to her for the Roxy sessions for the LA Weekly, she told me, People say to me, I can't believe you never made it. I say, but I did make it. I've made 12 albums. I got a Grammy nomination. I've met everybody in the world. I've spent my whole life singing. I've never done anything else. What's making it? Being Taylor Swift? I've managed to have it both ways. I've had my cake and eaten it. Every time Breathe comes on the PA in any public location I'm in, and that happens a lot, I text Angela to tell her. This is what she told me about people messaging her whenever they hear that song. Every day, 10 times a day from all around the world. Then she quoted what Michael Stipe said about her. Everyone's heard her voice, but no one knows who she is. Angela's on Telepop Music's latest album as well, and Breathe is still their most listened to song. She's working on a sustainable fashion collection, which is sure to be collectible, and she will be taking it around the globe in a multimedia presentation. Meanwhile, Paul is always composing, including for an upcoming NASA art installation. And they have their podcast, You Could Start a Fight in an Empty House, named after that album I interviewed her for. Their podcast is very conversational. They have casual chats about their varied experiences with all kinds of well-known people. It's quite entertaining. That's a snapshot of my 20-ish years of experience with Angela McCluskey. My last two interviews with her are on picturesoflily.com. I also did an interview with Paul for Variety about his work on the Olympia Dukakis documentary, which you can find on variety.com or linked at picturesoflily.com. The Pictures of Lily newsletter goes out every couple of weeks and you can subscribe to it for free. For my paid subscribers, I am posting bonus newsletters that include print-only interviews from my 31-year archive. The first paid newsletter had the interview I did with Robert Smith of The Cure for Hits Magazine in 1997. For those who opt for a paid subscription, I have posted the interview I did with Robert Smith of The Cure for Hits Magazine in 1997, and my first interview with Noel Gallagher in 1995, and one of my early interviews with The Verve from 1993. For founding members, I also posted the interview I did with Noel at the time of Oasis's third album, Be Here Now in 2000, and an interview I did with Richard Ashcroft also in 2000, at the time of his debut album, Alone With Everybody. I will link the Pictures of Lily newsletter in this podcast if you'd like to subscribe to it for free. In the next month, I will be posting a couple of early print-only interviews with Johnny Marr. Johnny, coincidentally, is a friend of Angela's, no surprise, through Matt Johnson of The The. Matt's song, Love is Stronger Than Death, and Angela's cover of it is my favorite thing Matt or Angela has done. Our next episode is going to be a special and unusual one as I'm going to have a co-host of sorts. I recently interviewed Taylor Hansen again, this time for Spin Magazine. It was for the release of his song for the people of Iran, Baroye, for Women, Life, Freedom. I wrote the piece as an as told to from Taylor's point of view. Taylor is going to read that article as the 76th episode of the Pictures of Lily podcast. For women, for life. 
From myself and my co-producer, director, editor, Lawrence Schroeder, thanks for listening. And if you have a chance to subscribe or follow the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, please do so and please rate and review. You can connect to us on picturesoflily.com and from there you can choose your preferred podcast platform or Instagram or SoundCloud or YouTube or Pandora or Amazon. You can also find the playlists for the podcast episodes on Spotify and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Pictures of Lily.